Welcome to Pushing Dirt. I'm Camilla Ranson, and this is your one-stop shop for everything real estate, whether it's buying, selling, renting, development, city planning, interior design, architecture, the history of architecture, homelessness, feng shui, real estate agents, and the odd but necessary ghost hunting. It all applies, and you don't want to miss it. I'm going to take a moment to talk to you about our sponsors for this episode, Grand Interiors International. Grand Interiors International is a Palm Beach-based design firm and high-end boutique specializing in customizable furniture, European bed linens, luxurious bath decor, and exceptional home accessories. We all know that decor is a how to make any house feel like a home. And with a wide array of luxury furniture, bath, lighting, decorative pillows, home fragrance, artwork, and home accessories, Grand Interiors International has something for every home enthusiast. And with the holidays right around the corner, Grand Interiors International is a one-stop shop for all things decor and the home lover in your life. Shop today at grandinteriorsinternational.com. Welcome to Pushing Dirt. I am Camilla Ranson, and this is the podcast where we cover everything real estate. Everything real estate. My guest today is Gina Tang. She's a realtor in Los Angeles, and currently she's in Atlanta doing other things, which we will get into. Um, She is also a writer, and she wrote this whole book on a great Chinese family. And so I am sort of in heaven because these are all the things I really want to talk about. Um, So welcome, Gina. Oh, thank you. I am so honored to be here. I'm very humbled. Oh, my God. So grateful to be here. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. I was um, just looking through you again, like what's, and I noticed this, and I didn't even think to talk about this, but I noticed that your company is called Eight Corners. That's correct. Eight Does, Corners Incorporated. Yeah, it's an escort. It's actually based in Los Angeles. Yeah, but I wanted to know what that what does it have any significance in design or like an octagon or is it just eight is a lucky number uh-huh. in the Chinese feng shui. Oh, cool! My birthday yeah. is an eight, so that's great. Good. Yeah, <laughs> eight, eight is. Uh, if you ask any Chinese person, they will tell you that eight is actually a, a lucky number. It represents good luck, prosperity, and good fortune. Oh. So, yeah, and then corners being that it's real estate, you know, every real estate has corners, so eight corners. Okay, like this just gets better and better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> everything <What>? connects, everything <laughs> connects. <laughs> um, so, um, you are born and raised in LA? I was born in Taiwan. Wow. Yeah, I was born in Taiwan. So, we're actually immigrants to the United, to the United States. And we're Chinese American. I came here when I was very little. I was like probably about six or five or six years old, and I was raised predominantly in the in in Los Angeles in the United States. Mm-hmm. So English is actually my first language, and I also speak Mandarin. So. Oh my God! Okay, well, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, so you grew up in LA, and uh, and did you always know that you wanted to do something within, you know? real estate or the land or any like city planet did you always know that that was it was a passion of yours to work with how we live essentially 
No, it wasn't. I always aspired to be self-employed and to be a successful entrepreneur. That was always my thing when I grew up. It was, and I always felt kind of out of place because it just wasn't a common thing in my culture for a female right. to be so brazen and outspoken. I just didn't know that it was in real estate. I didn't fall into real estate until I was right out of college when my parents taught me how to invest in real estate. Yeah, they they are Chinese-American immigrants. And when they first came to this country, they bought small businesses just like every other um, uh, immigrant family. And and they bought liquor stores and diner cafes, which is a very classic immigrant type of business. And every chance they got, they took the money and invested it into real estate. So actually, my parents did really well in real estate. So right out of college, they sat me down one day and said, hey, we're going to teach you something. And I thought, oh, wow, they're going to teach me how to sell chips and Coke and, and run a diner. But actually, they sat me down and taught me how to buy real estate. And they actually took out a Wall Street Journal, and it showed me what interest rates were. I had no idea what they were talking about. I was completely clueless. But, oh, my uh, God. So Harvard Business now. School. Harvard Business School. Pay attention. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, and then this, so yeah. at 23, I became a landlord. I, I bought my first pro- property and I became a landlord. I oh had no clue what I was doing. So, yeah. Oh, my God. How did you deal with Like, how, what was it of like a fourplex or duplex or a <laughs> building? It, yeah, it was a two bedroom, two bath condo in Long Beach. Uh-huh. And my roommate was my very first tenant. Oh, I and love she, that. And she clogged the shower uh, sink with her long blonde hair. And she came to me and she said, I clogged the shower sink. I was 23 years old. I don't know what to do. So I called my friends and they said, you're supposed to call the maintenance guy. And I said, I am the maintenance right. guy. Yes. That's it. Yeah, that is so what I, I went to Home Depot and I bought, <laughs> uh, you know, the liquid Drano. And uh-huh. the guy said to me, it says back here, leave it on for two, uh, 20 minutes. Don't leave it for 20 minutes. Leave it for an hour. Leave it for an hour, an hour and a half. So I, I followed his direct his directions right and then so it it, it, um it was my very first maintenance issue and i've been living with maintenance issues and renovations my entire life yeah so yeah and and for long times uh, real estate was a side hustle i had day jobs Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until 2010 that i got my broker's license in california that real estate became a full-time day job and also a, a real estate side investment you know entrepreneur company thing yeah I'm 24 7 real estate now (laughs) well real estate takes up a lot of I mean it takes up a lot of space (laughs) no way yeah I just mean that um I do other things as well and and the reason that I started doing this podcast is that because I do so much within the real estate world which is my side hustle um I got so interested in how people got there and everything but it's it gets bigger and bigger like within your life because it's a it's a big business, you know, it's yes, like, it and you have to, you know, learn it. Like you said, you know, you're your own, you fix everything is, you know, sometimes it's just easier than calling someone, you know, mm-hmm. that it's just to fix it yourself. So I also, I think it's just a great life boot camp. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. I learned a lot. Yeah. yeah. And then as soon as I started to grow more rental properties, I started hiring people. So now I have people working for me. I don't yeah. have, I no longer have to go to Home Depot to get right. liquid Drano. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I do get liquid Drano, but it's for my own bathroom. Right. <laughs> so, and now you can go to Home Depot just for fun if you're jet lagged. That's, I mean, I won't I say know. who's done that, but someone in this room. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yes, yes. And they have really, um, really nice women's bathroom at Home Depot. Yeah, they really FYI. care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you start, so were you, when you became a broker, um, how did that change? Did that change your life? Or did you start to see real estate from a different 
point of view. I mean, you might. I started seeing real estate from a different point of view yeah. because up until then, I was a land, I was a landlord and real estate investor. So I saw things from an ownership perspective. As mm-hmm. soon as I became a real, uh, real estate broker, I started to see things from a buying perspective, and it taught me so much. I started working for builders, high-end builders. Right. And the very first builder I worked for was Toll Brothers. And they're, they're America's luxury home builder. They're like one of the top 10 builders. And yeah. from there, I stayed in the high-end home building kind of world. And I learned so much about new home construction, uh, new home. I learned a lot about high-end buyers, high-end, high-end home, what goes into high-end home. I learned a lot about what buyers look for, what buyers expect. So I, it's just, and I sold uh, altogether in my entire real estate brokerage career, I've sold over 189 new homes. So 180 that's what? And that was Please all say California. that again. It, How much? Uh, over 100. I've sold over 189 homes in California. Okay. So here's yeah. an actual expert. <laughs> Would you say, I mean, you really yeah. have sort of covered, you know, the, you know, first you're a homeowner and then you rent, you've been a landlord and then you, and then you go into this, which is, you know, a switch, but in the same realm, but suddenly you have to wear a completely different hat and a completely different part of your brain, you know? Yeah. Um, so how did you get those kinds of clients right off the bat? So uh, I work for high-end builders and we used to do a lot of advertising and each of the builders had sales galleries and had model homes. Oh, right. So these model homes, they were just absolutely decorated 10 times. You know, they, the, the builders spent about millions of dollars on these beautiful model homes and attracted uh, clients from world, worldwide. And at Toll Brothers, in, our, in my first, very first community, the homes there were selling uh, the highest price in the market. They were at $1.2 million. And our grand opening, we had 250 people that showed up on our grand opening, over 250 people. And we got nine reservation checks. And all nine reservation checks converted into sales, and all sales closed escrow. So that was, that you is, know. And, that is rare, a, yeah. That was, yeah. And a lot of people said, oh, these, these homes are too expensive. They'll never sell. Right. There you go. Right. I mean, that's that's almost the magic word sometimes when people are like, oh, this will never, you know, and then you're like, thanks, because <laughs> because now I know even more. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But and I also, have learned from a buyer perspective that when you when you um, especially in the higher world, if you if you upgrade a house to a certain level that they really like, the customers will pay for it. They will, yeah, they will like, pay for it. That's always yeah. been my experience just with with the properties that I have. If you just put in good materials that that you can see a good materials that are value because it does it does earn you it just come it comes back like the mm-hmm. stuff that you use and also I have this thing of like I just don't want to rent something out that I wouldn't want to live in you know sure. like so um but um so you go into and building with these and so wh- where did you go from there from this, okay, so, this amazing. yeah, so yeah, so after selling over 189 homes, then COVID hit. So oh, California yes. kind of slowed down a little bit because not a lot of buyers were wanting to put $250,000 down on an average $1 million house. So things kind of slowed down in, in California. However, mm-hmm. other states like Atlanta, Tennessee, Dallas, they were not slowing down at all. Uh, I currently own a rental property here in Atlanta, Georgia. I've had it since 2006. So I decided just to fly out here and things are crazy here in Atlanta. I mean, nothing is slowing them down. Not even, not, not COVID, nothing. Uh, right now, Atlanta is, is uh, their real estate is appreciating approximately 11 to uh, 11 to about 20% a year. Uh, oh my pri- God, that's, uh, price-wise. A, that's an incredible investment. That doesn't, you know, um, yeah. what, um, 
so you're out there not being a realtor. You're doing something else entirely out there. Um, and it, I, I do have a real estate broker license in Georgia mm-hmm. only because in Georgia, you can reciprocate your license here without taking the exam. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. I got my broker license in California. When I looked up the requirements for Georgia, uh, pretty much you could just fill out a couple of paperwork and then get do like a submit a criminal background, mm-hmm. pay $170 and then they'll, they'll go ahead and give you a broker license. In California, it's just, it's not the same. No. If you want, if you're a broker from like, let's say Georgia, you're a broker from New York, mm-hmm. you go to California, you have to start all over again. You have to take the exam. So, yeah. Yeah. We like to, yeah. We like it a little difficult here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In Georgia, they have this thing called, it's called reciprocity. So uh-huh. as long as you have a, a broker license from another state, you can just reciprocate it and that's it. So yeah, so I have a broker license here, but I'm not currently selling. I'm actually actively, actively looking for fix and flips. Here. Right. I know that. So I wanted you to talk about that. So yeah. you came, you went down there to stay in your rental property. And so you're, you're, are you flipping or what is it that you're doing now down there? Yeah. So you know how I'm in the high-end world? I've been in the yes. high-end world for yes. four years right? yeah. with all these high-end builders. Uh-huh. So I'm fixing and flipping, and I'm actively looking for high-end properties to fix and flip. Right. To me, um, because I know the market, I know what the demographic of buyers, I have found that high-end buyers, their expectations are the same, whether it's in Los Angeles, whether they're in Atlanta, whether mm-hmm. they're in New York, it doesn't matter. High-end buyers, their mindset is all the same. Mm-hmm. So I am actually looking for more higher-end uh, homes now. I'm not looking for mansions. Right. Mansions are just too big. They're too expensive. Yeah. I'm just looking for more, like, I want to say, like, upper middle income areas. Mm. So that's what I'm doing. And there's plenty of that going on here. So I am um, I am actively searching right now. <laughs> so. Also, it's an exciting city. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so how did, I mean, you... You could you could easily transfer your license, but how did you get into knowing? I mean, I feel like that's always the important thing about when you get to a new city. You know the the little areas that locals know are oh this is the the that's that area. But when you come, I mean, you must have visited a lot and everything. I try to read as much as I can about every city and what's the cool and what's this and who lives there and um, but that switches also around you know like. Um, history has taught us that for sure. So how do you, how did you figure out, do you know that now or was that something you had to figure out? I had to figure all that out on my own, just like how I had to figure out Los Angeles as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came out here and I started networking and I started to understand different areas from just from talking to realtors, wholesalers, and also getting on Zillow. And then also now that I'm a broker, I have access to the MLS system. So I started to drive around, started really driving around, really understanding the pricing. And I started noticing that as soon as the housing pricing goes up, that's when, you know, th- those are nice areas. And I started to drive around. So um, and then what I also did was I started to equate certain areas of Atlanta to certain areas of Los Angeles. Oh, you know, like certain just... areas to me is the, be- the Bel Air of Atlanta. Certain What's it called? What was it called? Pasadena of Atlanta. <laughs> Which so. to say, yeah, so do what would be the Bel Air of Atlanta? Alpharetta. Alpharetta. Oh, what a beautiful Yeah, yeah. Alpharetta <laughs> is definitely the Bel Air. It's got old Georgian blue blood money. <laughs> oh, that's so. And what would be the Pasadena? Pasadena, I would say there are parts like Druid Hills. Uh, there's a lot of craftsman style homes. Uh-huh. There's a lot of mid century modern homes. Very similar to Pasadena. Right. Yeah. What would be. Um, Silver Lake, for example. Silver Lake, I would say, is more like 
uh, Midtown, Intown. Mm. There's an area right in the center of Atlanta, right on the north of it, mm. where it's just booming with a lot of uh, gentrification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Silver Lake is a very uh, highly gentrified and coveted area right now mm. in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silver Lake, historically, back in the 1990s, was a very um, industrial, blue-collar kind of a community. Mm-hmm. And then through a lot of gentrification and renovation, now the homes are all a million dollars. I know. So, and and that's what's happening in this little area mm-hmm. right above Atlanta. It's called um, Midtown, mm-hmm. and there's and it's just booming like like crazy. And there's a lot of these vegan shops, you know, these vegan places, vegan this, vegan that, which is very synonymous to um, so yeah, Silver Lake. And also, so. there's a lot of these barista coffee places, barista now, coffee places, like you know, record shops. Like it's mm-hmm. like always stuff like that. That I'm like, oh, here, this area is gonna be, you know, when I see a record store. When yeah. I see a coffee shop, and when I see usually maybe a cheese like a cheese store, I'm like, oh, this is this is the next area. Yeah, this, this is right, and also <laughs> yeah. hipsters. If I see some yes. hipsters, yeah. you know, moving in, yeah, yeah. They, hipsters definitely set a trend. In fact, in real estate, we really appreciate hipsters because they really go every time they they go somewhere they they gentrify, just like what happened in yeah. downtown Los Angeles in the artist district. Right. You know, all the hipsters moved in there and they set up art galleries. Next thing you know, barista coffee houses where they're record stores, vegan donuts. And, and all, all of these, those. And then like, next thing you know, the, the condos there just started going from 400,000 up to now it's a million. I mean, so. I lived there right when it was sort of beginning to get um, get expensive downtown. And it was it, it went quick. It mm-hmm. was sort of a quick rush. And also seeing all those old um, warehouses where like, artists had lived and like paid $500 to live in a warehouse. And then they couldn't. I mean, they could. They sort of, for some reason, had a, were allowed to stay in certain warehouses, which I actually enjoyed because I was like, they should be allowed. They were here first, you know. Right. Their flag mm-hmm. was there first. Um, so, um, so how how long have you been there now in Atlanta? I've only been in Atlanta since September 9th. I came here on a single, <laughs> here on a one way flight uh-huh. with no return flight. So I, and also I only carried a single carry on luggage and I only brought two outfits. And, uh, and then the outfit that I was wearing was outfit number three. Oh. So the two outfits was just enough for me to go to Marshall's or Ross. By the way, that's where I shop because all my money goes into real estate. Yeah, of course. And so, yeah. So I went to Marshall's and Ross and I got some clothes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was so funny. And I posted a photo of my clothes on my Facebook. <laughs> my friends were laughing. And so, yeah, so literally I came here with just two outfits. And uh, so I am uh, I'm happy to say that I supported uh, Atlanta clothing retailers (laughs) (laughs) no but it's also like you're having sort of a nomadic experience which a lot which is very trending after the um after the whole quarantine and I I think a lot of people have just been wanting to try new things see new things um maybe from seeing the inside of their house too much or also like (laughs) you know their values change you know so um so I, I do like I have a lot of respect for like taking that chance and just going I have two outfits. I have. Yeah, that's really, that's all I came here with, two outfits. I came with a bunch of vitamin bottle. Uh, I, I have like yes. vitamins. Yeah. And you know, vitamins are expensive. I didn't want to rebuy the whole thing. No, no, Vita- vitamins and outfits, you know, like those are, yeah, you know what? It's funny because I always say that when I travel and especially if I visit my family or something, they're like, why do you bring two giant luggages for 10 days and wear the same outfits for the whole way? I'm like, um, there is a small variation. There's never a variation. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, uh, I have a lot of respect for somebody who's like, two outfits, 
vitamins go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I brought just toilet, just basic toiletries. I, I figure I'll, I mean, they have everything here, just like they do in Los Angeles. Right. There's Whole Foods, there's, I mean, just, yeah. you know, yeah. No, it's a very exciting city. So are your parents still in LA? Well, my, my yeah, my family's still in Los Angeles. My uh-huh. mother passed away last year. My oh, dad sorry. is in an in assisted living facility. And then uh-huh. my brother is in South Pasadena with his family. So. Oh, so it's nice to have them. So, yeah, that's wonderful to still have family that you can go back and forth to. Yeah. Um, and uh, did you, so you knew people when you came to Atlanta to work with, or did you not? Did you just go home? Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, good at this. Yeah. Uh, I was here. Yeah, I, I knew people from just the rental property, but that mm. was, but I was in California this whole time. So it was just, you know, uh, names here and there. And then I was here last year, actually, in September mm. 2020. And then I, I connected with a bunch of wholesalers and realtors and, mm. and local people and even some fix and flippers. I even got to know some fix and flippers and some contractors. And are then people, are, other, the, are other fix and flippers open to like sharing their knowledge and, and I just, it's because like everything can get so competitive that I love that there's a community of people who <laughs> fix and yeah. flip. And, yeah. Yeah, I have met some who were not so open, and then I have met some where they wanted to partner with me, and then I have I have met some where they felt uh, like, oh my gosh, she's she's here by herself, she's from California, we need to help her. <laughs> so See, you know, yeah. so I have I've met all kinds. Um, most most of them have been very kind. They were very helpful right. on the phone. They try to refer me to somebody, or at least try to find somebody that I can talk to. Right. So I I've been very fortunate. So yeah, I mean, true entrepreneurs usually want to help others. Yes. Yeah, it's that always comes back like a million fold I just, yeah um that's I mean that's just incredibly exciting I just want to very quickly so I don't forget um ask you about your books because I think it is I mean I that writing is like my main gig and uh, and I just and I do this because I love it you know and um and I just wanted to know how you got into that and how much real estate influenced that? Because it influences my writing, even when it isn't about in real estate. It's so important. And I know that's important to people, and I'm digressing slightly, but I know that's important to, like, producers if they're reading a script. Like, don't just write L.A. Be really specific about where this person, and don't just write, you know, Las Vegas. Like, be really specific, you know? And, um, and so I wanted to ask you about, first of all, just, ask you about the books and second of all if real estate played a part in that oh real estate had very much a part of it when i got my real estate broker license and i started working for the high-end uh, luxury home builders mm-hmm. i was selling a lot of high-end homes i have never in my entire uh, real estate career ever sold a house less than 1.5 million dollars you heard so it here 2000, <laughs> yeah and i think it was 2000 in and, your oh, whole okay, real estate career Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never sold a house. I think I only sold one townhome or something like that. And it was, well, what's a uh, California townhome? 760 right. to 700,000. Yeah, maybe. Right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, I mean, but that's a Cal, you know, that's a California townhome. Uh-huh. I mean, that's like high end yeah. places. So, yeah, so I have never sold a piece of real estate less than 1.5 million. I've even sold a couple of commercial real estate. This was before I worked for the electric builders. I was for, with Keller Williams. Uh-huh. And I had a very, very brief time in commercial real estate. Even then, those those were expensive. They were like, yeah, those you know, are, yeah. They were yeah. expensive. So, yeah. yeah, my real estate career in commercial was just like like maybe a year, and that was right. it. And then I and then 90% of the time has been with luxury home builders. So in 2010, 
there was a time when the Chinese uh, citizens who became rich in the last, I would say, 15 years were coming, were bringing, were uh, fleeing their money outside of the country. Mm-hmm. And one of the hotspots was Los Angeles. They mm-hmm. were buying millions and billions of dollars of residential and commercial real estate. And I had the fortunate opportunity of meeting the, these Chinese buyers. I sold a lot of real estate to them. Uh, and a lot of them, most of them, like new home construction. So all right. these new homes that you see being built, like down in Irvine, down in, uh, up, in the, up in the LA area, mm-hmm. where, where I was working for Toll Brothers up in Toll Brothers, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, I would say over 80% of them were, buy, were Chinese buyers and they were bringing cash. There were also and, a lot of places being built specifically for... Because I was reading about, I don't know where it was, but there's an area where they was building. They were building sort of a little compound for like, um, and every house that they built had two kitchens because there was a fry kitchen and a regular kitchen. And I was like, yeah. oh my god, I love this. And also they were feng shuied. And I was yes. like, I need to just. Was <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. We used to we used to keep the Chinese buyers cognizant in mind whenever we would build houses. For instance, like the stove, they liked the fire really, really hot for the walk. So the BTU on that stove had to be uh, had to reach a certain degree. It can't just be like your average, you know, cook pasta hot. It had to be really, really hot for the wok. So, what do you What do you mean? Oh, oh my God, that's amazing! So, so you had to yeah. make sure that it, that's incredible. Yeah, the BTU on a on a stove. Uh, yeah. You know how like there's there's a standard BTU. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can just cook pasta. You yeah. can cook soup. Well, uh, we try to keep the Chinese buyers cognizant in mind because the wok it has to be really, really hot. So we had to make sure that the that the stove could reach a certain uh, temperature safely. Oh. Yeah, so I honestly didn't did know that. that. Like I, and now I know why mine doesn't taste as good as when I go to the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh, right, exactly. Yeah, the wok has to be really, really, really hot, and you have to just, just really, just you know, pan fry it, and that's right. how. Yeah, I love that. I just, I love. Um, I'm a big fan of like mixing cultures and and seeing how other people live, and also how much it like how much it all complements each other, you know? Um, and um, and I mean, I know that there was a lot of Chinese building in, when was that? 2014? Yeah, and, yeah. In the last 10 years, a lot of Chinese money went into downtown mm. Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of those new developments you see, those big luxury developments all along Broadway, mm. Figueroa, those are all Chinese money. Right. So yeah, it was a lot of Chinese investing going yeah. on. Yeah, and we needed yeah. it. We um, This city needed it. Yeah, um, they did. Yeah, same thing with London. That I mean, that happened bef- way before the way before LA. But like, it was the same thing. It became a city, like a big yeah. city and a wealthy city again. You know. Yeah. So uh, I was immersed in the Chinese buying uh, circles for many and many years, and I had the fortunate opportunity to also become their friends. They taught me a lot about seeing things from a very different perspective. I noticed that since growing up in the United States, my perspective was very American. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just yeah. that that's just kind of how it was. Then all of a sudden the Chinese showed up and they taught me how to see things from a much different perspective. They taught me a lot about just humility and just 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 just, just a lot of things about, about seeing life from a different perspective. And I got I had a fortunate opportunity also to, to help them buy a lot of real estate. Mm-hmm. And someone asked me one day, you know, hey, how has your experience been working with Chinese buyers? And I said, I have, I can write a book about this. And they said, why don't you? <laughs> so when I, so when I, when I first started, it was, it was, it was a uh, nonfiction. It was mm-hmm. very boring because right. it's like a documentary. Right. I mean, nobody, nobody really wants to learn about, you know, uh, unbridled purchasing of real estate. It's just like, 
it's kind of a boring, it's very, it's very shallow. You know, she it talks does, about how this well, money came out of China and people were buying all kinds of stuff. Well, also then, it's, uh, it's, that's the thing that, you know, both of this podcast and with every real estate in general, is like, there's always personalities involved. And, and that's what makes it really fun. You know, yeah. there's like, there's so like, and you said, um, just learning how there, there's a humility, there's uh, like a whole thing. And I think creating a story around the, the, uh, like facts, you know, yeah. is, is the best way to get things. I mean, I, I read like historical novels and I learn a lot about history from like reading. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So then one night I went to bed and I had a dream and um, I had a dream and it inspired me to write this into fiction. So I created a family out of all the clients and people I circulated with from China. I created a very crazy, dramatic, uh, funny family. It was a father, his mother, and two kids. And this was before the crazy rich Asians. And I called it the Beijing family. And they are fictional. Okay, Hollywood producers. uh, Hollywood producers. You heard it here first. Just. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just this crazy, insane (laughs) Chinese billionaire. Uh, he made his money in manufacturing. He came to Los Angeles and the real estate agent, that's me, <laughs> sold him a $10 million home and she became friends with the entire family. And then there's Grandma Mo, who's the grandmother. She's old China. She dresses just like back in the Chairman Mao days of the 1960s during, mm-hmm. the, during the Cultural Revolution. She acts like it. She keeps thinking that the military Red Army soldiers are going to invade their house any day now. Oh, wow. Any day. Every time Mm -hmm. she hears a siren, she thinks, oh, my God, the Red Army soldiers are here. Because back in those days, the Red Army soldiers used to go uh, house to house and terrorize all the families and and torture them and and punish them. So those but that was her generation. And then there's a son. uh, There's a son. He's very uh, he's new China. He has no idea about all the suffering that his father went through to get where he is today. His father went from poverty and suffering back in the old China to now a multi-billionaire in manufacturing. His company just went public. He mm-hmm. has no idea that his father is a self-made billionaire. His father only has his, only has a sixth grade education. By the way, this is a true story. The, wow. This was actually inspired no, by you. somebody I knew that actually sold real estate too. Wow. And, and, and the son, Greg, he said, my name is Greg because he's been watching American movies. Um, yeah. He's, uh, and so he, yeah. So he's, this, he, he's, he's new China. He has no idea. Right. He, he, and, he, and he lives in a $10 million mansion. And then he has a cousin named Ling who is recently crowned Miss Beijing. She's this beauty, young 17 year old beauty from China. She attends UCLA and she starts dating white boys. Mm-hmm. So there's that whole, you know, interracial yeah. dating. Yeah. There's Grandma Mo, who's from old China. There's there's uh, Simon, who's the dad. He's part of old China, became a multi-billionaire. China, he's really trying to pull, you know, make sure everyone, he, he's trying to make sure everything stays okay. Because at the same time, he's trying to understand his son, who's, who's right. just this, who he doesn't understand. His son doesn't understand him. By the way, right now in China, there's a huge generation gap going on, more so than any other country I've ever seen. Because China went from uh, nothing to everything right. in, in literally one generation. Mm-hmm. In America, it took two hundred uh, over 200 years, right, yeah. for, the, for the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. So it took grandma, gra- uh, parents, and then children. So it took three generations. In China, it's just parents and child. So a lot of times, parent and child, they don't understand each other. No, there, There's no. this huge generation gap. I mean, China has such an incredible long story and cultural story. Um, but then when it takes a turn that quickly, that's yeah. that I mean, that must do something to the psyche of, of people. 
yeah, the mm. the um the older the older generation who are still who are still alive. I mean, mm-hmm. These people are like fifties and sixties. They mm. went from poor, dirt poor, drinking out of a well, mm. uh, having the school system shut down, like that kind of China, mm-hmm. to to the China today, which is right. extreme wealth. And there's every restaurant you can think of and technology. Uh, Yeah, it's just like, yeah because yeah. China moved very fast. Yeah, uh, yeah, and also um, I, I, I'm not I'm not making a comment about politics here, but no. because they are um, a collective society. Mm. So when when the government says we're building we're we're going to build a hotel here or mm. we're going to build a train track here, it just gets done. It's right. like, yeah. you know it it just happens right. because yeah. that's just how the, the government right. works. Yeah, in the United States, it has to go. You know, you have to you have to vote. Right. And then they have to, and then there's right. lawsuits. Then you got to go through the lawsuits. <laughs> and after right. lawsuits, and if everything's okay, then they can build. So, I mean, that's I'm, the I'm not, that's I'm the not main. I'm commenting on the politics. No, or no, what no. Is right or wrong. We're just, I mean, we're just talking about law. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just the and, way things things are done. So yeah, China, and also personality why like every every country has a specific personality of how things are done because i mean denmark is it like it takes a while to get something through because you know people vote on it people do but we don't yeah. have the lawsuits like because i mean there are lawsuits here and there but not like here where it's it's sort of used as a safety net for some people you know so um so it's just i love and i'm not also never i'm not making a political statement and everything because it's people might think that but it's it's too complicated yeah. and it has yeah. and all these things have too much amazing history and and painful history that you can't really start to you know go america or china or europe you know these are and we should actually really celebrate that, that we all come from such different and both have wonderful stories and painful stories you know right And and there's pros and cons to both systems. There are there are people that complain about the way get things get done in China. There are people oh, yeah. about, there, there are people in the United States complain about the way things done in, in the United States. There's pros and cons. So I, once again, I'm not commenting on the no no no. And I'm sometimes saying, it's the same people who complain yeah. about both. I mean, I co- complained about Denmark, and then I've complained about this. Yeah, I, mean, I just yeah. Right. I'm an equal opportunity complainer, and also an equal opportunity, you know, enjoyer of things, you know. Yeah. So what China did was they, for instance, if they want to build a train system, like a trail system, they would just go to the, all the people that were still living there and just pay them mm-hmm. to say, okay, here, yeah. we, need, we need you to move by this date. Mm-hmm. And this is how much we're going to give you. And they, it was very generous checks. Right. And then yeah. the people were gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's just how it was done. <laughs> so, and then they built a train and then two years, There's a train system. <laughs> so, but there are yeah. lots of, there are lot. I mean, people don't know in terms of city planning and whatever in, in L.A., whatever, um, in L.A., that there are so many very expensive lots and houses that are literally have things saying, I mean, I know up on Woodrow Wilson in, in the Hollywood Hills where everything, houses are very expensive and you got Laurel Canyon and everything, but they have, the people who buy up there have to sign off to say, Should the city ever want to make a freeway right through your yard? You have to, you're done, you know. And, of course, they're never going to do that. Probably, I mean, because it's beautiful up there, it would be very hard to do um, a freeway. I would assume, I'm not an engineer, but but that happens everywhere. We just just don't know, you know. Like, we just don't know. And uh, so that's, I mean, we all have an example of what we're either afraid of or excited about from another um, culture. 
Yeah. And then there's people in China that complain that China's moving too fast, that they're right. they're destroying a lot of um, family family history. You know, a lot of people didn't want to go. They don't they don't want the check from no, the government. No, of course not. This, and I would be yeah. very mad if somebody came in. <laughs> yeah, yeah of I course. mean, because this was maybe their parents' home or whatever yeah. it was. And there's, there's a lot of history, a lot of there's a lot of heartstrings tied to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's there's different perspectives on everything. Not every no, there's there's no right or wrong that any of this, just the right. way things were done. So I mean, there are everywhere. There, you know, like I so like there was a basically a teardown. Um, I think even it was a f- Frank Lot right. I don't want to be like years ago that somebody had bought the lot, and I mean, and I was like, this cannot. They cannot tear that down, and they ended up whoever bought it ended up you know restoring it and everything. But I'm sure they bought it in order to have this incredible lot to build on. Yeah. But I was like, no. No, 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 LA, this is LA history. This is, yeah. you know, like, not that I had a lot to do with it. I just um, signed some petitions that might not have, you know, been real or whatever. Yeah. But it is, but that's where the passion comes in about real estate. And that's where, you know, again, the personalities and what we care about. Yeah. You know? So all the characters in my book series were inspired by real people that I actually had the fortunate opportunity to help uh, sell real estate to. And they were all from China. Uh-huh. And so I wrote it into a five book series. And so far, it's garnered about over 160 reviews worldwide. 70% of the readers are worldwide, are international. Only 30% are United States. And again, um, I'm believe it or not, most of them again. are from Africa. <laughs> oh, um, wow, I love that. Yeah, a lot, there, I have a lot of readers in Africa. I think it's because China has quite a participation in, in the African countries right, right. now. Yeah. But I just... Um... Again, I'm just going to say, if you want to make, you know, like everybody wants to make a movie that can have a sequel and a sequel. and a sequel. You know, I'm just saying, again, should anyone be listening? Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think it's because the book is called The Beijing Family. It's not called The California Beverly Hills Family. It, it, it's yeah. not, it's not, it has nothing to do with America. It's just the, they're from Beijing. Yeah, and, and it's set, and it's set in, it, and it's set in LA, which people everywhere in the world want to know about because it's, it's a city that can't really easily be defined, you know. So yeah. people are, in, yeah. Yeah, um, and I had a lady from Spain. She she emailed me. She was interested in reading the book. She said, you know, I was interested in reading your book because it's, it's a family from Beijing. She goes, it's, it's just, I she goes, I find it really fascinating. She goes, there's all this growth and and news about the Chinese family from China. So I was really happy that. I was able to give her a slice of life from from uh, you know from China, right. not not just from California, not just right. from the United States. It's from China, right. so it was just really nice. And and uh, uh, oh yeah, I've had a couple of teachers. I've had a couple of teachers reach out to me because my book series also has some history. It touches history. It also it also touches uh, mythology, ancient Chinese uh, ancient Chinese mythology. Yeah, and representation. I mean, yeah, it's so, like, mm-hmm. so yeah. the teachers were really fat. There was one about the mummies. Uh, uh, I, I wrote about mummies from China. So uh, she asked me and I donated it. I actually donate my book to her. So she yeah. put it in her library. This was a, a teacher in Canada. Oh, my God. See, yeah. this is what I, I just love. I mean, there's so many aspects to um, the culture and how we behave and everything. And I'm so, like, I'm so grateful to you to have such an open conversation about it because this is what makes... That's yeah, and then um, the there was around. also a history professor in Peru, and he was actually educated in England, and he also got fascinated with the Chinese mummies. And I thought, oh my God, he's going to tear my book apart. 
the history professor from from Cambridge. Ah, I was so afraid. Right. But he actually read my book and he gave me a five star and he tweeted about it. He oh my like, god! You know, and, and I told him I said, "Look, this is fiction. This is fiction. Please, please don't, please don't uh, date fact me or you know right. history check me. I right. go, this this is fiction." <laughs> I said it's it's purely inspired you know by Chinese uh, Great Wall, Chinese mummies, Chinese. So Chinese they're Chi- they're Chinese mummies. Yeah, there's Chinese mummies. Um, the uh, Chinese historians found an uh, an actual Chinese mummy in in China, and she was mummified, and she was uh, so well preserved. And to this and to this day, they can't figure out the liquid that she was marinating. <gasps> they try to dissect what it is, and she's in much better preservation form than the mummies in, in Egypt. And it's it's all wow. it's all on YouTube. Just 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 type up Chinese mummy, and okay, there's a the- lady. Her name is. It's called Princess uh, Lei uh, Lai or something like that, and so yeah, and uh, her story inspired me. Oh I, my I, god! I, I mean, with this, her, um, with this, her, the anti-aging her. industry is now going. What was that liquid? No, but um, that is insanely inspiring. So was she a princess, or did they just call her that? Yeah. Oh, she was. Yeah, she was a princess, yeah. and I think they were able to figure out that she died from. Uh, I think she had high cholesterol. Or something like that. They were able to oh, get wow. some uh, extract from her cells and her blood, or what? something like that. And they were able to see that she lived a life of maybe perhaps too much excess. She ate too much, right? And perhaps she might have died from high blood pressure. So old, I think she was, was just she? maybe a party animal. She partied too much. She drank too much. So, of course, like you yeah. know, we're people. It doesn't change. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, and she got. She was mummified, and she was. We, they don't. They, the scientists can't figure out if the liquid came from the the mud that she was. You know how like there's mud and dirt around mm-hmm. her her coffin, her oh. sarcophagus. Oh. They can't figure out if it was the rain that seeped into the mud that you know for thousands of years it seeped into her coffin. Right. So or or was she just preserved in this? But they know that she was wrapped in satin and silk. I'm I'm sorry, uh, silk. So this, they, they don't know if there was some chemical in the silk and then the water from the mud or that's cross, uh, the, the sarcophagus, if it was some kind of mixture of that, she's extremely wow. well-preserved. Like, like she still has her skin. What? Yeah, but her skin is very leathery. As opposed to the mummies right. in Egypt, I uh. believe the skin is, is, is not there anymore, right? It's just bone or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, she still has her skin. So... So, um, how old, how old was she when she died? Did they, I want to say she's a little bit over 2000 years ago, but how old was, did they find out how old she was when she actually died? Um, I'm going to say she was probably in her third, in her mid thirties, mid thirties. Yeah. Like something like that. She was, um, she just, I think she just, you know, gout, you know, how gout, you know, high blood pressure just probably was killed her. Wow. This is, I love that you have, I mean, I love like a setting of a book or a movie like that's so important to me as well that creates atmosphere you know yeah and then all these myths and also facts you know yeah are are just so wonderful and I love the way that you've conducted your your business that you're like in LA being a broker and then you're going you're doing this in Atlanta are you coming back to LA uh, at some point are people still are you are you going to go back and forth or what are you what are you hoping to do I am hoping someday I will retire back in uh, in LA uh-huh. and live in a in a three bedroom, three and a half bath fixer upper in Rancho Palos Verdes. There you go, <laughs> looking over the ocean. So that's why I'm in a, I'm in Atlanta, and maybe when I'm able to go to another state, 
And hopefully I can make enough money so I can get back to uh, Los Angeles because I'm assuming by that time, that three bedroom, three and a half bath fixer upper in in a rental policy is probably going to be what, $20 million? Something something (laughs) low key like that. Yeah. They also have um, peacocks there and they fly around the trees. Like I always think that's so amazing about that area. Like you look up and you're like, that's a dragon. (laughs) <laughs> oh no it's just a giant bird that i didn't know had wings and could fly um yeah my my dream has always been to live live with uh not on the beach but just have be able to wake up in the morning and just see that ocean yeah. view just mm-hmm. you know and then also also in palos verdes you can see the whales migrating every year oh, it's just also the air and fresh air and freedom you know mm-hmm. yeah it's so that's just, that's yeah. my goal um yeah yeah, I came to Atlanta just, you know, really just to explore real estate opportunities. I think it's, it's been, but that yeah. in itself, I mean, I could imagine Atlanta being the interesting city that you end up, you know, like, I mean, I, I mean, there's so many wonderful cities that yeah. I feel like I haven't explored enough. You know, I've been very sort of, I mean, I don't want to say stuck in LA, but a, lo- a lot of my interests have, and a lot of what I do is yeah. here. Well, just so you know, I have a friend in California. He recently bought five rental properties in Memphis, Tennessee. So it's just, it's crazy. Boom. And then I have another friend. I think, I, I don't know if I show this with you. She was a, she's a fellow realtor in California. She and I used to sell luxury uh, condos together. She bought a dirt lot in Montana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Montana. Uh, with the idea of building a five bedroom, five and a half bath Airbnb. When did she? When did she buy it? End. When did she buy it? Oh, she bought it. This was two years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, she bought a dirt lot. So uh-huh. she said that Montana is now the, the the new playground for the rich. Montana and, and so. Wyoming are now. You know, I feel scared for the people who live there because it's just a migration. Like just yeah, yeah. So, um, but I mean. On the other hand, I'm just like, people want to see new things. People are expanding their horizons and, you know, wanting to belong in in different places, you know? Yeah. I have a friend who moved to Cleveland, and she's like, this is exciting. It's exciting here from Miami. And I was like, I believe you. I believe, like, things, <laughs> yeah. are, things are not, you know, how we historically have decided that they, they are. You know, like, you know, there's... Things are really moving forward, and I like that for America. Not like we like things need to move forward. We need to heal from all of this, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Gina, like I could talk to you for more hours, <laughs> and, and yeah. Um, but um, tell me where where can we find you? Where can people find you? Oh yeah, so I, I am on Facebook, just my name, Gina Tang. I am also on Instagram. It's just Gina Tang, G I N A T A N G twenty eight. I'm also, oh, by the way, the Beijing family has its own web, uh, has its own face page on Facebook. You just type in the Beijing family. And it's also, also on Amazon, on, right? Yeah, just, yeah. just yeah, Beijing, yeah, the Beijing family. The Beijing family also has its own website. It's very simple, thebeijingfamily.com. Yeah, thebeijingfamily.com. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn, mm-hmm. just, just Gina Tang. Just Gina look Tang. me up and there I am. And then also I put a picture of my book so you'll know that's that's me. So, so it's it's really impossible for you not to find Gina, and I really <laughs> I really encourage you to, um, because there's I mean I like I've spoke we've spoken privately before, and there's a wealth of story and an accomplishment. I mean it's really incredible what you've done, and your parents, that is just the most amazing parenting one hundred and one I have ever heard. I'm I am gonna aspire to that. 
I'm sitting yeah, yeah. down. I actually, I, I, um, thank you, and I really appreciate the comment. But you know what? It's so it's so Asian to do it, though. <laughs> you know what? Great. So this will be my new. Um, this this will be my new tradition. <laughs> like, I really yeah. really appreciate that. Um, uh, and I hope to that you'll come back. Oh, yeah. thank you. I, I can't wait, and I yeah. can tell you how excited it's been to to have this moment with you. It's, no, this it's is so wonderful. Connect back to back to LA, back know, to- my hometown, <laughs> and I would love to share with you down the road what's happening here. You know, so, I, um, please, I am I am crazily trying to secure my first uh, fixing flip, and I would love to share with you my before and after. <laughs> oh my god, you know I want like that's you know that's like a party for me. <laughs> so I would love to see that and I I will report back and you'll come back here as well oh, so love yeah to. okay love to it would be my pleasure thank you so much Gina this oh. is such a pleasure <laughs> thank you thank you bye all right